Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hey, what's up, guys? Chris Stolle back with the 100th episode. Let me say it again. 100th episode of Breaking the Fourth Wall. I cannot believe we hit 100. And I figured I wanted to do something a little extra special tonight. Uh, normally, we've been doing the interviews with a lot of celebrities and everything. Uh, tonight, I'm going to be introducing two people instead of just one uh, to break in the fourth wall. The first is uh, the newest member of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Uh, her and her partner, Kim, are going to be joining us uh, very, very soon with their podcast, which I'll let her tell you the name of it because, honestly, it's escaping me at the moment. But Miss Jennifer Hall... <laughs> Thank you, thank you. And the name of your podcast is? It is A Beautiful Day with Jen and Kim. How could I... We're the mothers of gratitude. How how could I forget it's a beautiful day? Uh, (laughs) Beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. But you know what? Jen would not be joining Realm of the Mist, and Realm of the Mist would not be having all these great interviews if it wasn't for one particular man. And I get the... Amazing man. I get the honor of being one of the select few who actually get to sit him down in the hot seat for a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, the publicist that has made it all possible, Mr. Mm-hmm. Steve Joyner of SJ Network. Hey, Chris and Jen, how are you? Hey. Surprise! Now now everybody else is going to be like, okay, yeah. now he's doing it for them, he's got to do it for us too. Thousands thousands of uh, things are clicking off right now. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's, this is great. And congratulations on 100 episodes, man. That's that's fantastic. I, I How still, far you've come in a short time. This is great. Well, again, you know, it's it's been three years. And I, most people have heard the story, so I'm not going to beat, you know, beat a dead horse. But when I started breaking the fourth wall, there was no Realm of the Mist. There was no network. There was no plans of a network. It was just me and a couple of my friends bullshitting about movies. And that okay. that was it. That that's all we did. We sat there and acted like we were critics, like we knew what the hell we were talking about. And mm-hmm. I really didn't think it would last more than a season. Thirteen episodes done. It's like okay, got that on my system. Next thing you know, <laughs> here I am, three years later with a hundredth episode on the first of the first show, who wound up becoming the flagship show of a whole network. That's crazy. I, I that is. awesome. I, I never once dreamed or expected it. So, you know, first and foremost, as, as you know, as the mother of gratitudes just said, absolutely grateful to each and every uh, person involved in Realm of the Mist Entertainment that has been involved with Breaking mm-hmm. the Fourth Wall, and especially to the listeners, to the fans. You guys have made this possible. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, enough of the gushing. Let's get to the talks. Let's oh do. My God. Let's do I the ladies. Wait. Let's do the ladies first here. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. I, I knew I knew uh, Steve wasn't going to fight that one all too much. Uh, no, Jen, <laughs> yeah. I've got to know the story. What what brought you not only to podcasting but also to to Realm of the Mist and and really what what is uh, it's a beautiful day all about? Tell us a little bit about what we're expecting. Cool. Well, 
the way I got into radio, um, I really feel is kind of like a divine thing because my dad was a radio man and um, the military and in the Navy, and he had no idea he was um, claustrophobic until he went into the Navy in a submarine. He <laughs> 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 was actually listening, you know, for the bombs and everything. Um, but I always kind of wanted to go on radio. I was producing, helping to produce a short film in Tampa, and we were going on a radio show about it, and I didn't think anything about it. Um, but I kept going, I don't know if I want to go or not. I don't know if I want to go or not. And then I ended up going, okay, we'll go. And I told the guys at, at the Choice Radio Network, I said, um, I'm not going to speak. It's going to be like Penn and Teller. Just keep me kind of off camera. And, um, you know, because no one would give me a list of questions. No one would give me any information. So I didn't know what I was going in on. And about three minutes into the show, um, I started joining them and talking because it was chemistry of water and all this other stuff. Okay. And the next thing you know, they had a hard break and they're going, come over here, little lady. You need to be on camera. And that was it. At the end of the program, I was pitching my own show. And it just naturally pitching my own show. And they hired me. They're like, come back tomorrow. We need to talk to you about your own show. They hired me. They gave me a $30,000 salary. I had no education. I had not gone to school for, for communications. And it was just like, yeah, you got to do this. And so I started kind of interning, figuring out what kind of show I wanted to have, what it was going to be called, who was going to be on it. I went on everybody's show, and I just did as much research and immersed myself into it as fast as possible so I could get up and running. And I loved the one song that I always loved was You Too, It's a Beautiful Day. And when it goes to the part where, um, where it goes into the flood and the olive branch and the sun comes out, and it's a beautiful day. And right. Bono just jams in that part of it. So that was the beginning of our show. It was a beautiful day. And going through the storm of life that I went through, I came through it as I'm grateful for everything. And that, you know, every mother is a mother of gratitude, whether you have fur babies or children. And my hashtag became, you are blessed, you are loved, and you are sacred. Because nice. if you're blessed, you can, you can receive love. And, you know, then you'll realize what's sacred. Maybe we'll start treating each other a little bit better in the world when we're out and about. So my show with Kim um, was, was great. It was funny. We had um, local celebrities on. We went into really cool things that were happening. Gasparilla in South Tampa is all about the pirates coming in and taking the mayor hostage and flooding the streets with pirates and and floats and everything, but every float that you see is a charity. So millions of dollars goes into Tampa that normally wouldn't if it wasn't for Gasparilla. And I wanted to go behind the scenes because all of, the only thing that people really see is the drunken mess that it is. Um, so it's our version of New Orleans, basically. And okay. it's parade season lasts for a couple of months. But And that was one of the things that I wanted to get into. But when we were doing a, a beautiful day, the irony was there was a guy that was getting all of his celebrities, unbeknown to me, was Mr. Steve Joyner. <laughs> and we didn't put that together. That was the completion of the circle. Um, Kim called me a couple of months ago, and, and the choice, they, they folded and shut down. And Kim and I have been in contact since. And we kept saying, and we got our show together, and then it would be like, you know, something would happen. And 
the timing of it or where it would be at and trying to do it at my house or where are we going to rent the space from. Um, my one candle wish for this year, which was December 12th, was I want my show back with Kim. And I want it back bigger than life. I want it to rival what, what I saw at the choice. And I want it big. I want, I want this to be in my life so much that I can't dismiss it when it's here. I can't right. walk around it. It's like, here's your blessing. Here it is. You know, you can't, you, you just can't walk around it. Like one of those Vegas hotels, it's really big, but you think it's right there, but it's not. You're still walking. <laughs> that I want it that big. You know, I want it so big. And so the next day, Steve contacts me. And it's just out, just literally like out of the blue. Like, do you know who I am and how I can help you? And you know Eddie? And um, it's like, yeah, I know Eddie. I'm kind of putting him in one of my movies. <laughs> I know Eddie. I'm writing for him right now. You know, I want him not. I want him not to be a nerd, making him into an attorney. Um, <laughs> and we started talking. I'm making him a man. You know, finally he's going to be a man. And I restarted talking. And Steve Joyner put together my podcast. A beautiful day. I have the content I always desired and wanted. Um, I have the platforms with you that are extraordinary. And going into 2020 is the biggest, like, it just blows me away. It just completely blows me away at how fast um, my, my life has manifested exactly what I've been craving and yeah. wanting and to have this platform. Well, that's what I was going to say. If anybody could take anything away from, from your story is that if you want something bad enough and, and you, you really dream about it, you can achieve it. Like you, you put enough positive energy, you put enough thought, you put enough hard work into it, it can be achieved. And it sounds to me like oh, your your yeah. story right now is exactly living proof of that. Yeah, because we were already putting it together. And here's the cool thing. I have been trying to do, a, I'm a director, producer, and an actress, um, and, and now a screenwriter. But I have been trying to put together this, this movie that my friends wanted me to make. And it was how they came together. There's two guys. They couldn't get married uh, because it wasn't legal then. And but they wanted to have a son. And this is their story. This is, the way that, this is their way of sharing to their son how he came to be. Because obviously he kept asking them, who had the baby? Who was carrying me? Which one of you were carrying me? And they're like looking at each other and dancing around this whole thing of who carried what. Right. Um, so this was their way of coming to me and saying, hey, at a birthday party that they were having, hey, can you do this for our son? We have a screenplay. We want you to make it into a movie. I couldn't get any gay actors to play a gay person. I had looked everywhere for a year. And I finally got a casting agent, Bobby Hill. And I, I knew inside you know, what don't I know that I know? I knew I was going to need a casting agent. But um, I hailed from theater. And, and, I mean, you could throw a rock at any gay person in theater. There's gay men all over theater. Theater <laughs> world is great. Film world, everyone's basically straight. But, film, you know, theater, it's jazz hands and show tunes and stuff, you know? <laughs> I couldn't get... It's serious, though, you know? I couldn't get any of my guys. They, they looked at me in horror. Like... I mean, I might as well ask him to play a straight person. It's like, can you can you come on film and do that? Because you're gay, and I want to no. I'm like, why? And they go, because it's film. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? It's money. This is paid. I can help you. No. 
and I was shut down one theater after another after another. Um, I had help from my friends that were producers. Everybody said no. And finally, through Bobby Hill, we found the actors. But she said, I've done this for 35 years. I have never had this many problems before in trying to cast something as I have this short. And it's not even, it's not gay porn. It's a family-friendly movie. Well, that that was something and, I was that was something I wanted to ask was uh, no. couldn't couldn't no, couldn't a straight person like to give you an example? Um, I, I'm by no means an actor, but I used to be a professional wrestler, and there was a time I was offered to come onto the Jerry Springer show, which surprise Springer's fake. Um, mm-hmm. They offered me to be the gay lover of a black priest. They offered me a good amount of money to do it. I wasn't able to do it because I was moving to what? another state in at the time. I just couldn't free up the time to do it. But I'm, I'm sorry, a, that's just like why. I was a straight. I was a straight man, and I was offered a huge amount of money. And the worst thing I would have to do is kiss my quote unquote lover on camera, and then fake fight my, I guess girlfriend or something. Um, so. The the point being is that you know wow. gay, straight people could play gay people on on in movies, especially yeah. if we're not talking about like porn, you know, or or at least right. the, no, the, the level of Skinamax. So why yeah, couldn't you no, get like straight really people sweet. to do it? Right. So what I actually ended up with two guys that were Christians, and <laughs> they were doing it for all the right reasons. Um, one of them, um, one of them that plays Alex, his um. His brother's gay, so he wanted to represent his brother. Nice. And he wanted to do a really, really good job. And we're filming this in my bedroom. We're filming most of this in my house. Everyone loves filming in my house for some reason. Um, so we're filming in my bedroom, and it's big enough to definitely film. And I'm like, look, this is a new bed. and This is my bed. Nothing crazy is going to happen in here, okay? So <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> this is good juju. Don't worry. I still got to sleep um, in it at the end of the day. <laughs> I do want to have, I know, because they looked really hot in this one picture. I'm like, that's the cover. That's the cover right there. Um, I said, I want you to lay on top of each other with your head on top of his chest. And I want like the Calvin Klein look. That's, that's, that's the look I want. And that's the only thing. I mean, you guys can kiss his forehead or his cheek. I want this loving relationship. But this isn't full on anything. Right. This is for his son. So this is at the end of the day. This is for an 11-year-old boy. Wrap your head around that. So he needs to know that this is done with integrity and with love and purpose. And if we wouldn't have waited, I wouldn't have found S3. And that's the Florida Future Factory. And that's where we're podcasting out of. Okay. When I hit S3, I didn't want to go there. Um, it was 8.30 at night. Carrie, my, Carrie Hopkins is kind of like my godfather of film. Um, because he brought me into film from theater and was just extraordinary. And he's like, don't you want to go to 830 night? Let's go check out this medical plaza. I'm like, who the hell's going to check out a medical plaza at 830 at night? No one's going to be there. Can we just like go in the morning during the day? And he's like, no, no, it's open now. And I'm like, okay, take pictures and get back with me. I mean, I just don't really feel like an hour drive, you know, round trip. So we go out there anyway, Terry's driving. And we go there and I'm like amazed because before to get into it, you have to hit this little thing and it's, it's star Wars, right? Like it has the emblem over the handicap sticker. Nice. It's star Wars. We go inside. It's all star Wars. It's, it's 
all my nerdy stuff that I love, <laughs> all aviation, I'm in nerd heaven. There's a room of just all Star Wars giveaway stuff still in the packets that are collectible. Uh, there's a complete kitchen. It, it's, everything is decked out in sci-fi. Like, you have no idea how it's decked out in sci-fi. It is amazing. And then the, there's this giant room, and it's full of all VR equipment. So there's a literal space station um, alien aircraft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a plane um, without the wings on it. You can do VR, and you can be, like, you know, Snoopy practically. Okay. I mean, they have black... Black Hawk Down, the helicopter, you can VR that. Um, all, all, all this other stuff, it's all Star Wars, the, the pod racer, the whole nine yards. It's my place. This is my heaven. And I said, are you podcasting out of this? You need a podcasting room. And he goes, yeah, let's do that. And so literally we've done that. And when I told him right after my birthday, I need a place to podcast, but we can't. I need all the equipment and I need the room. He asked me when I was talking with Steve. And I told him the time I was talking with Steve, like the exact time, 6 o'clock. He goes, that's when I got the download. I know how we're doing this. We're going through that wall. That's the producers. You're going to be able to see everything from the kitchen so we can have an audience. And you guys are in the middle. And I already started looking for equipment. While I was on the phone with Steven, this is being manifested in Clearwater. Nice. Just well, seamlessly. So I want the lottery this year, Steven. I want the lottery this year. Um, okay. <laughs> Because you're like you're like my you know my magic genie, so the, it's the fairy oh, godmother. Really... The fairy yeah. godmother. <laughs> the fairy yeah. godmother. Oh, and the tutu. Yeah, we'll put him in a tutu. Oh, that's so going on the website. Uh, no, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> welcome to your hundredth. Where's the confetti? Where's your confetti? I used to have confetti for my anniversaries on my show. If you could, if you could throw confetti all the way to Philadelphia. Right on. By all means, do so. Giant cannon. Giant cannon. <laughs> there you go. It'll be a drone. We'll go from drone to drone. But as as we were talk as as you were talking, and of course, you know, like like you said, Steve is your your fairy godmother. I mean, he kind of breathed rebreathed life into breaking the fourth wall, uh, with the contacting to me. And I, I remember being very distrusting of Steve because I'm like, you know, I, most everybody that's ever contacted me about. <laughs> podcasting it's like hey i'm a publicist or hey i could grow your audience or whatever usually some scam yeah. artist you know right. usually right. some scam artists. just like just like the girls that are interested in you on instagram they want your credit card information you know the the podcast the p i'm a publicist and i could grow your audience yeah how much would that cost me you know what i mean type deal mm -hmm. steve came out of nowhere and quite honestly like I still don't understand why you put yourself through the stress that you're putting yourself through. You've got everything under the sun with being a publicist to the stars. You have a li an impressive list of clientele. Why? Yeah. What? The, the big question I've got to ask, and I'm sure a lot of people have the same question. I'm sure Jen has the same question. Okay. Why podcasters? Why are you putting why so much effort into into the podcast community? Well, here's what happened. Um, I did. Uh, oh God, Jesus! This is why I don't do interviews. Right? I, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say half the time. It's weird. But um, um, to answer your question, what happened was, uh, let me take you back about four and a half years ago. I had um, 
One of my best friends is a screenwriter named Carl Gottlieb, and Carl uh, was president of Writers Guild West of America, and he he, uh, he wrote Jaws for Universal. He, uh, he co-wrote The Jerk with Weiner and Martin. I mean, he, he directed Cape Man, just a phenomenal guy. Right. Dear, dear friend of mine. Anyway, Carl and I were uh, at an autograph show, and uh, Joe Alves, a production designer on Jaws, was there too. He's the guy that he's the first guy actually hired him a movie before Spielberg. He's the guy that built the shark. He built Bruce, and you know all this because uh, you interviewed uh, Hambone. Right. So anyway, um, there was a photo of the three of us at an autograph show, and some guy from Boston reached out to me, and he says, "You know, I'd li- I do a radio show and a podcast. I'd like to interview him." And I never listened to talk radio. I thought talk radio was a bunch of crap. I uh, I didn't, I didn't even care for Stern. I, I used to watch Howard Stern back in the early nineties when he was on television. There was a time Stern was on TV. I remember. Right. And, and you guys were that anyway. And then, um, I said, well, I can't give you their number, but I could, I could, you know, set it up. And I did as the first booking I ever did. And then there's these two guys in, um, Long Island that reached out to me and I I've had a very floor scump type life, a very interesting life where I've met a lot of great people. I, it's, 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 it's very hard to explain people like, well, Jesus, how do you know this person or that person? And when I was a kid, when I was really little, I did a lot of extra work in films and on TV and, um, the world was smaller then. So you met people. And right. then in uh, 20, 2013, my mother passed away. Uh, I was extremely close to her. I was, was devastated when my mom died. And a friend of mine who I had grown up with said, you know, you got to join Facebook. And I, I didn't know, you know what the hell Facebook was. So I did in order to make her a memorial page. And okay. um, I reconnected inadvertently with people I had met years ago and people who, it was a domino effect. So anyway, these two buffoons in, in, in Long Island said, you know, we'll make you a deal, man. You're a guy out there. You book us people. We'll get sponsors. We'll do a, a split of profits. I'm like, yeah, it sounds cool. So I broke out the roll of decks of people from yesteryear because they were more into pop culture stuff. And uh, I had booked like, you know, like the majority. I, I know the majority of the people that were the movies, National Lampoon's Animal House. I booked those people on there. I had put, uh, you know, just people I'd met in my life and, um, and, uh, Eddie, Eddie was one of them, Jack, just, just whoever. And, um, got to the hundredth episode and they're like, yeah, we're number one in Long Island and all this garbage. I'm like, yeah, we're not making a dime. And it turns out that these two just got a kick out of like, you know, uh, interviewing people that it was just, you know, them like living out their fantasy of talking to people they grew up with or whatever. Cause they were retired kind of, they're in their fifties. <laughs> so I quit. I was thinking, yeah, screw you guys. I'm done. I'm going home. And, and, and I, and I, um, I wanted nothing to do with radio or podcast, nothing at all. And, um, they ended up splitting up. They got into a big fight with each other. Cause the, the show died three weeks after I left. It literally died. They, they couldn't get anybody. I mean, they huh. nothing. And I, and it just, it just died a flat line. Cause I was kind of uh, the pulse, if you will. Right. And then there was a guy who reached out to me in Kentucky, who was a lawyer that had got disbarred. This was my, this, this was like my bet, my bad luck streak right here. <laughs> and, um, he had a show that was two hours long and he wanted to interview people. 
And I was like, dude, I'm not doing it for free, man. You, you know, you got to, and he, he would pay me. And I put some people on his program, but it was two solid hours of this guy with this monotone voice. And just, he just sucked. This guy sucked. And then there was these two cats in Florida that, uh, I'm not going to put these people's names out there and throw them under the bus. Yeah, not, yeah, but, no, but, no, no, nobody. I didn't, I didn't mention the other guys anyway. So these two guys in, in, in Florida and, they were they were they were good in their own way as far as uh, they had delusions of adequacy, you know. So what I would do is I would <laughs> I would one of them was an actor and the other one was an older guy, but I would send them people that they would not normally meet. But the problem is, is that if you're going to interview somebody, do some homework on them to get an idea. Right. So I I I I'd thrown them Carl and Joe because incidentally Jaws two was filmed in Florida, so I thought that was kind of cool. And they didn't know hardly anything about it. So it looked kind of ridiculous. So I parted ways with those guys. And then I just, I just have a thing for, I think podcasting is the future. Why podcasting is that iHeartRadio is because I like it better. That's why <laughs> uh, some people, I, I know it sounds weird, but I don't go by the whole hierarchy of importance thing. Right. Meaning, meaning, uh, I don't care if your show's got 18 listeners or 18 million. It doesn't matter. And, and what you guys do is very, very difficult. I've been blessed and or lucky in my life to meet a lot of great people, you two included, to where I can, you know, put these things together. And at the end of the day, it's cool to say, like, wow, I made that happen. Sometimes I forget, you know, and, I, and, and a lot of times I don't listen to a lot of shows I book, and it's not to be a jerk, but there's only so many hours of the day. So when I put a show together, I'm really on to the next show. I really am on to the next thing. And with the clients that I have, they're all really, really good people. That's been kind of an interesting story itself. I, um, it's great. It's great to see people like you and Jen take off and that's it. And I, and I'm, 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 why I don't do interviews is one, I'm not a good interviewer Two, I don't need the recognition and all that. I'm not an, you know, a, a performer. I'm not a visible person that much. I'm always behind the scenes people you never hear about, but no, that's, that's really uh, podcasting is great. What you guys do is a great service. And I think that any show has the potential of being something huge. You know, Jen and Kim and Brandy Singleton are, you know, three women who are do, who are doing gonna you know, doing a show and going to do a show that's not like, you know, some stupid nonsense. And, you know, you do a Saul's show, Chris, and 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 I don't see why you guys can't garner a million listeners. I really mean that because of the you know I know guys that have shows that talk about absolute rubbish and they're they're you got huge followings. Right. Which is, right. So and I wanted to give every guest a platform. See, the, the problem I had with the guys in Long Island was they just wanted to interview people. Like, you know, they're like, oh, let's talk to Clinger from MASH. I'm like, no, forget Clinger, dude. Let's grab this guy. Well, well, we wait. don't know who this guy is. Wait, you can get Clinger? <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I just, no, it's Jamil Farr. But it, it, no, what I'm saying is <laughs> they wanted to be stuck in TV land where I'm forward thinking. Every now and then it's yeah. cool to throw somebody from like 30, well, we're little kids. But there's a dude I wanted to book on their show from uh, Atlanta. This man had 
580,000 followers on Instagram. That's a number grabber right there. Right. And they're like, no, we'll pass on him. We want to talk to, you know, some, I'm like, no, dude, that's because a lot of, I asked the guests to really promote it on their end and anybody you guys interview, you know, it's, it's a courtesy and they'll do it. You know, they'll promote it because they're, they want people to hear it. Right. Um, little tricks I would do with the older talent was, um, like, you know, if there was an actor from, from, you know, like the film Grease, I've met a few of those people and worked with them. I, I would tell the podcasting groups, like, yeah, go join a Grease fan club. There's at least three of them out there. You, you guys realize there's there's a Facebook page for every TV show and movie we've ever watched in our life. Right. You, you get someone you get someone tied to that film and you join their group and you and you contact admin and say, you know, I'm interviewing so-and-so for this movie. Oh, my God, they'll tell you to share it. They're not going to be jerks. And then the idea is they they tune in to listen to whoever it is, and they'd be like, oh god, that was great. I wonder who else Chris and Kim has interviewed. Oh, that's it. And then so you get a listener for the day, or hopefully you get one for life. It just just it's throwing it out there and seeing what sticks. Well, see, one of the thing one of the things that that resonated with me that you just said, uh, <laughs> which which has been the platform since breaking the fourth wall has has joined with you and and started going the the route of uh, uh of interviews. Is that it's absolutely mm-hmm. awesome to be talking to a lot of these celebrities and these old head uh, 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 actors and actresses or writers and directors. You know, like I can I can name I could name drop now. I I couldn't name drop back in the day, but I can name drop now, and that that's absolutely phenomenal. But the, the funny thing about it is, you know, one thing you mentioned that a lot that the, some of the podcasters you were talking about that you worked with previously, they were like, no, pass, don't care that I absolutely yeah. personally embraces. I love interviewing anybody. I will sit down with Joe Schmo at the coffee shop and just get his life uh-huh. story because I think everybody's got a story to tell. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I don't care if you've been in blockbuster films or if you're a struggling poet that well, reads there... open mic nights. I want to hear your story. There... I want to know why you do what you do. There so how people... can they come on your show? You have to plug. If you're going to plug like that, you have to give them an information. Well, you could contact me at Realm of the Mist Entertainment at gmail.com. Book a book a date. I will set up a time and date with you. Or contact Steve Jordan. Well, yeah. He'll give information at the end. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, go well, ahead. Everybody does, have, everybody, have, everybody does have a story. And the thing is, you don't know if you're talking to the next big whatever. You never, You don't know that. And and the thing is, I don't do the whole hierarchy of importance. I hate it when people say like, "Well, is he an A-lister or a B-lister?" It's like you know, you're A-lister, it's another guy's C-lister. Whatever the hell that means. I hate this whole hierarchy of, "Well, is he this? Is he that?" You know, one of the reasons I'll tell you guys something that I don't tell many people that I, you know, whenever I work with some of these people who you you know who they are, you're like, "Oh my god, I know that person." Whatever. I don't become like a fan kid to them or anything. I learned that the hard way a long time ago, but it's like, I'm conscious. It's weird. I'll be talking to somebody and, you know, I'm not name dropping, but I'll talk to somebody and it's like, Oh my God, I used to watch this, this woman's show every Saturday religiously. And it's running in my mind, believe me. And it's really cool. (laughs) It's really cool. When I would talk to like, you know, some woman who I had an insane crush on as a kid, that's always fun, you know, but it's running through my mind, but I'm not, I'm not going on there. Oh yeah. That's happened a couple of times, but I'm not going on there saying like, Oh, Oh my God. I remember being, you know, eight years old. I mean, I, I don't do that. You know, 
I have that coming but, up soon. Confession, confession told. I have that coming up this week. Actually, um, actually Saturday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kristen DeBell. Oh yeah, you know what? There's a good example right there. I mean, I, I have absolutely, dude. I had a big was... crush on her back when I was younger. <laughs> wow. Well, who did? Who didn't? You know. But yeah. the thing is, is you know, you you just you know you play it off, and she was, but or to somebody you meet, you're a little starstruck. There have been, you know, people I've met, and I, I get taken back. But I, I realize at the end of the day, they're just people who could, you know, anything can happen. Just like it could happen to us. Right. Well, you know, the first the first taste I got of that where where you're right, where celebrity, some big celebrity, most celebrities in most worlds, uh, the first taste I got in that was was in pro wrestling, obviously, because I got to meet like yeah, WWE, yeah. WCW guys, and and I realized they were just as screwed up as I was. But you know, again, one of the first tastes of of the celebrity, if you will, um, you know, the uh-huh. ho- the Hollywood celebrity. The first taste that I got that that they're just like us was literally uh, interviewing uh, Marilyn Gigliani, and Did just I put how do you put that together? And she was my first oh, real, yeah. real taste that like, yeah, they they okay. they think just like we do. Forget forget what you hear on EW and so they they literally worry about the same shit I do at the end of the day. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> They're worried about how they're going to get their kids to school on time and getting their laundry done by the end of the week. And if they've got their bills paid for the end of the month, they're the same as us. Right. Their job description is no different. It's, it's the only thing that's different between us. And that was that was a big eye opener for me. And that really made me more comfortable in, in the interview process now was realizing that, like, I'm, I'm literally talking to somebody that very well could just be my next door neighbor. Yeah, and, and it takes on a whole di- a whole new dimension of everything. You know, you don't treat them like gods or freaks. You know, I mean, and, and and they get that a lot too. You know, there's certain times where they do. Uh, you know, people have asked me like, uh, there was a, a friend of mine, a woman that was in the Nightmare on Elm Street films. You know, and they're like, oh yeah, do you ever talk about Robert England? I'm like, no. They're like, well, do you ever talk about this? No. Why not? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. And it's just not it's not the thing because. And then one day I asked this, it was a friend of mine, I asked him in the Midwest he lived, and he's in Kansas City. He's like, well, I'm like, he's a welder. I'm like, do you like talking about welding when you're not welding? He's like, no, not really. I'm like, well, it's the same thing for them. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's their job. And, and you know, and, and, and the greatest example is uh, I booked Carl at an autograph show in Fresno, California, and we're sitting there, and we got the shark and all that crap. And... All day, people are walking up and they're buying a picture and doing a selfie with them and all that. And they're asking them, like, you know, well, the, 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 you know, Jaws questions, you know. And uh-huh. I asked him, I said, what's it like, man? I'm like, what, what, what's it like? He said, imagine living next door to your best friend from high school. And every day they mentioned, hey, Steve, remember in 11th grade when we pulled the fire alarm? He said, that's been my <laughs> life for like 45. And it's true. It's, it's just redundant <laughs> as hell. And there's only so many times you can tell the same story to where it's like, Jesus, right? You have yeah. to do this because it's the, 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 the entertainment world. So you're going to hit um, my friend Scott Schwartz every Christmas. Oh, my God. Oh, hey, you know, the, 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 that movie he did, you know, yeah. it, it always it gets drilled and drilled and drilled and it's it, but it, it, it's you're just a lot of people in their obituary. They'll be known uh, known for this, you know. So you just don't treat people like like they're they're gods and stuff. That's a problem in this in this country and in the world, as far as my opinion. You know, we we 
we, we, we idolize these people. And I love how the, the hypocrisy of this, of, 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 of human nature for some time, it's like, you know, someone really awful could die tomorrow. And it was like, Oh man, you know, it's like, no, he was an asshole. You know, it's like these <laughs> people, people do that. Man. I swear to God. I mean, you know, I, Don Imus died and there's a lot of things, a lot of people like Don, Don Imus, but he was also a racist too. You know, man? he got kicked off the air. So, you know, it just, I don't know, but I don't, I don't look at it like that. I don't look at them like they're anything, you know, their I- name in their bank account. It's a little bit bigger than mine, probably a lot, but you know what I'm saying. So that's it. <laughs> Way bigger than mine. But I mean, yeah, that, that, that's exactly, and I think that's something that's refreshing for them from the podcasting, and Steve, you can correct me if I'm wrong here on this. Mm-hmm. It, I think that's refreshing for them in the podcast community is that we don't treat them like, like I mentioned before, like Entertainment Weekly or, or uh, uh, All Access Hollywood or whatever, where they treat them like the A-listers, B-listers, C-listers, whatever, and we treat them yeah. like, hey, let's have a conversation for half an hour. Yeah, you're not going to go you know, crazy over them, and there's people whole jobs to do that. TMZ's whole job, if you look at TMZ, they're basically stalkers with video cameras. Right. Yeah, they, you know, they don't do anything for free. You know, TMZ, you have to pay them to, you know, to do some. Well, you know, I, there's a couple people. Matter of fact, the person that you're supposed to interview tonight who's going to come on later. Uh, uh, you know, the next one, he he he. he does. There's a lot of people I know that were on TMZ. They just get ambushed. Yeah. You know, but and that's how they make their living, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's it's a mixed bag, but the thing is, one of the best things about being a celebrity is that they're using their gifts that a lot of people, you know, it, it's hard for them to do. Guys, really hard, and you, know, you, you, you guys, you guys are you guys are uh, are, are, are public figures. You, you know, yeah. you don't realize mm-hmm. that, but you, and and I, and I don't like being a public figure. I, I'm not one. People, you could say my name, they don't know who the hell I am, and that, I'm fine with that. But there are people who... But that's your gift, Steve. You bring people that... I'm an enigma. I'm a ghost, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of it, too, and I'll get real, real with you guys. A lot of it, too, you know, Chris, I'll give you a shoot if you want. But a lot of it is, I, I had a really, really difficult life. I, my, you know, I, I had two parents and my, they're both gone, but my dad used to beat the living hell out of my mom when I was a kid. Some of my earliest memories of life was seeing my mom really, uh, you know, right. and, and, right. and my dad was a, was a pretty well off man. He worked uh, at San Onofre, which is a huge nuclear power plant in San Clemente, California. The guy made over a hundred thousand dollars a year in 1977 and nothing, and we lived in the suburbs. So right across the street from where we lived was a cop, and it was my dad's drinking buddy and his pal. And this man used to my. And so when my mom would get beaten, nobody came over, nobody got involved. It was the weirdest thing. My dad ran around on my mom a lot, and he would go up to San Luis Obispo, and he had a he, he was quite the womanizer too. But the thing is, is people would beat my father and be like, well. Oh my God, Jim's such a great guy. You know, he looks so polished, you know, and he's in the Masons and the Shriners. He'd help out little burn kids and all that stuff. But yet me and my brother and sister, we were all terrified of the man. Absolutely right. terrified of right. the man. I mean, just, he'd come in 
you know, we had this long, uh, my house that I grew up in, we had this long walkway and dad would come in and we'd hear him whistle. We're like, Oh shit, he's home. And it's like, he just time froze because it's like, what type of moods he in right now? We were terrified of this guy. And, um, my parents, my mom finally got away from him in 1986. It's, oh my God, he'd be Christmas. It's well, I'm not a big Christmas guy. My dad tried to strangle my mom at Christmas. And, and, and luckily something happened. I'm so sorry. And, uh, this is why I don't talk about my life. Yeah. Luckily something happened and he didn't get away with it. But, um, um, my mom got a restraining, finally got a restraining order on it. It finally got something intervened and that damn cop, you know, he didn't, he didn't bother the house or anything, but my, my older brother ended up going to live with my grandmother who lived right down the street. And my brother got into drugs real bad, but my dad, my brother was going to kill my dad. He had a gun. He said, kill my dad. Mm-hmm. It was a very scazzle kid. It's very scary. But, um, so my parents are split up. My dad's gone and my mom keeps getting letters from the IRS. And then, you know, but I felt very, very comfortable because it was just me and my mom. My dad wasn't around. Bob, my brother was gone. My sister had gotten married. She was out of the house. And it was a beautiful home for, you know, eight-foot swimming pool, avocado trees in the backyard, all that noise. And I got to be with my mom, and I didn't feel afraid because of the old man. Because I'm leaving out a big part of the custody battle and how I would have to go spend time with them and so on. Right. But, um um, my, my, my father didn't give a, sh- he didn't care about anything. And, uh, one day my mom picked me up from school and it was, uh, it was a Thursday. I'll never forget. It was a Thursday and it was in November and Thanksgiving was coming up like a couple weeks down the road. And, uh, 1985, this happened. Yeah, it was 85. And we come home and there is a padlock on our front door of our house and a sign that says seized by the IRS of our house. Oh my gosh. And my father didn't even, so I was, we were homeless right there. Now you can't break the lock and go in there because it's breaking the law. So everything that there are no pictures of me of a child as a child out there. I know. Of. Wow. There's nothing, everything except the, the car we were in, the clothes on our back was locked up. You couldn't touch it. My mom went to a payphone. This was back in the 80s. There were no cell phones. She goes to a payphone. It says, Jimmy, they took the house. And his response was, I don't give a blah, blah, blah. It was my goddamn house. Uh-huh. Guess you guys are out on your own. That was my dad right there. Wow. And um, my grandmother got us a one-bedroom apartment. Like, it, it, and, and it was about 40 years later, my grandmother got us a one-bedroom, a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, but for about four nights... I slept in a car with my mom and it's weird when you get dropped off at school the next day and you're wearing the same shit and you're trying not to talk about the, the obvious. And what's really hard is when your neighbors, kids you go to school with are well aware of what happened and they make fun of you and shit or they mess with you about Mm -hmm. it because that's how evil little kids are sometimes. So, so yeah, so that was, uh, and then, you know, but my mom taught me, she said, you know, it's just materialistic stuff. There's no value in it. He's gone, you know, and, and, and that's what happened. And then he, uh, he ends up getting married to a woman who abused. Anyway, he married a woman that he shouldn't have married. Let's put it this way. <laughs> and, uh, and then, 
Yeah, he was just me and my mom. I was about to say, some people call and, that karma. No, my, my, my father, uh, you know, and I'm not going I'm, to, I'm, I'm over it now, so don't worry, I'm not going to get upset or tear up, but my dad, during the time my parents were bickering and then, I mean, like, like splitting up, when he would go away up to San Luis Obispo, it was kind of cool, like he wasn't around, but there was a custody battle and I had to go up to San Luis Obispo and stay with him for about a month, and that's when the plane crash happened. I got a small plane crash with him, but, uh, he was dating a woman who he was living with up there. And this, this woman abused me. That's all I'll say. And, uh, when I came back to San Diego, I got a fight with a kid and I told the, the principal was like, you know, well, calls my mom, my mom comes over says, well, you know, your father's moved on. We realize that's why she tried to play. I love when, like, when non-psychologists, people try to play psychologists. It's great. I love that. You know, mm-hmm. but this principal's like, well, you know, your father's moved on and you'd have to accept it. You'd have to accept his new, his new wife and his girlfriend, whatever, and so on. And I said, that's fine. I said, as long as she never tries to give me a bath again. They're like, what'd you, what'd he say? And then, well, next thing you know, cops are there and all that stuff. My mom called my dad furious, wanting to kill this woman. And my father says, oh, that's a bunch of lies. You're just trying to get more child support out of me. You're you're trying to shake me down. So a woman abused his son, and he takes her side. And then he ends up marrying her. So that's the type of dad he was. (laughs) So anyway, so but I... um, I stayed, I stayed, I had trouble in school, but I stayed with it. Um, I was not the smartest person at all. And then I just pushed myself a little bit higher than I should have. And next thing you know, I'm on the honor roll. And I, I, awesome. I, I became the valedictorian of my damn high school graduating class. This is a guy who started out as a freshman with a D average. And I became a valedictorian. It was, it was insane. I love and, that. And, but and my dad came to the graduation and then a few years went by. And then in 1996, my father got sick with lung cancer and he says, I need you to take care of me. He said, uh, the woman, Marsha was her name. He said, she left me. I'm like, Oh, she left you. You know, that's, that's interesting. And I told my mom, I said, you know, that let the old man die. I'll give a shit. And my mom says, no, no, you're going to go take care of him. I said, are you kidding me? Look what happened. He beat you. He did this, he did that. And she said, yeah, I forgave him, and, and you're going to do the same. And I actually went and took care of my dad. And I got to know this guy and know what he was about. And my father was a very disappointed man, and I remember he would, uh, you know, when he was dying, I would take him to get chemotherapy, and I just saw him waste away. And he, he would say, you know, well, uh, all, all this Oh God! Could you hold on one second, please? Sure. So, so Talk while, you, just one second. Take. Yeah, while while he's while he's stepping away, um, Jen, I mean, do you have any questions that you you want to get in? I I feel like uh, you know, you're supposed to be my co-host on this, not just your my interviewee, you know, but my co-host, and I <laughs> I you you've been kind of sitting quietly yourself, so. <laughs> well, no, and it's well, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. It's amazing what someone has gone through because, you know, the the. The men back then, I know it's because of my dad, because I had a similar upbringing. Um, as I told, I think I told you. Right. To where I'm nine, 
15 and 16 years older or younger than the rest of my family. And I grew up with a house full of teenagers in the 70s, so everybody was drunk or stoned. Right. And um, I'm so sorry dad, about that. Sorry, guys. No, you're okay. no problem. My dad worked days. My mom worked nights, so they didn't have to see each other, and they had their own separate lives. And I was left on my own and to kind of, like, raise myself in a way. But my neighbors were from the Bronx, and this was in Athens, Georgia. And I received their accent over my parents' accent, the rest of my family. Everyone else in Athens, Georgia, with that Georgia accent, um, I ended up, you know, a northern girl born into a southern family. So... (laughs) I get the fe- I get the feeling was, I'm a military brat, so I've I've got the Philly accent, but so I always you know, had a New York and right? Colorado too, so definitely understand. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's and it was different because men back then. We're talking about your dad. They they so didn't have, they didn't have the tools yeah. that we have now. <laughs> you know, they didn't have any of the tools to. You know, men don't cry. You know, you're supposed to keep everything inside. And the horror stories from my dad growing up that I just heard him passing with his brothers were horrific. And there's, there's no way to, it is, I think it's very hard when you, when you're around that to rise above it, you know? And I think it's really cool that, that Steve has rose above it. Well, that, that was something I definitely wanted to say to Steve you know, in the story. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, well it, it, this is why I don't do interviews because I, I had I, people think I had a I had a rough life. But here's the thing, yeah. though: I had an amazing mom, and uh, Jack just tried to call me. I'm gonna I told him I'm gonna call him back. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I had an amazing mom, and and everything good about me came from Marianne, my mom. So everything uh-huh. good about me came from her. Right, right. And I'm not, I'm not trying. And I'm not trying to butcher my father's memory. It's just look, he didn't. He had a. Um. He he. He just he just was a different type of person. And and, and like I said, my mom made me who I am today. And when she got mm-hmm. she got sick with heart disease, she ended up having to get a pacemaker, and a stent. And then when you know it, like diabetes, like just a lot of bad things happen. So I became a better man taking care of my mom than I would have on my own. And um, and then she she died in her sleep in 2013, May 31st, 2013, excuse me. And it still feels very fresh. But, you know, I my way of honoring my mom and a couple other loved ones who, who I've lost is by being of service. And that's why I do what I do now. Well, see that, that's, something... I don't make, I don't make a lot, I, I don't that... make a lot of money doing this, Chris. <laughs> oh, I get that. And, and that, that's something like you keep saying you don't do interviews because it's not a happy story, but you know what? Um, I think you should do more interviews, Steve. And, and I think Jen will back me up on this because, it's yeah, a, it's absolutely. a success it's a success story. It's something that other people could hear and learn that if they're in a bad situation, it doesn't have to remain that way. Here, you know, not to not to to beat a horse here, but you came from abu- abusive background, living mm-hmm. in your yeah. mom's car to valedictorian mm-hmm. to now running your own company. 
you know, like, yeah, if there's not a lesson in there for people that you can pick, you know, for as cliche as the, the, the line is, you could pick yourself up by your bootstraps and take yourself out of the situation. I don't know what is. And I do think that there's not enough stories out there for people to hear that, especially those that are in situations very similar who think that this is all that life is. No, you could have different. And and Steve is very much living proof of that. Right. And the, and the cool thing is, is that all, in addition to that, I'm interrupting you, Steve. Sorry. Is that he's, you know, everyone thinks, oh, everything just happened and it's rosy. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like there wasn't enough hard work and and, and manifesting a life like he's had um, and working with us and being able to do, you know, what he's doing. But to have that story, because I'm similar with my upbringing. I'm completely similar with my upbringing, except going into the movie Aurora, um, when Grieco said for me he wanted to write this little boy in a hospital, I didn't realize that was me. And I was going back for myself. I knew I was going back for myself in acting. I didn't realize I was going back to the little kid that was three and a half years old, left in the hospital for a year. I didn't know I'd be writing about her. And I was able to ask questions on why I was there for a year. And my sister was, was like, I don't know. Like, nobody came and saw me. You guys just left me at a hospital. I had surgery. I had the same damn freaking nightmares my whole entire life. And it was because I was in a hospital and I was kind of like left there. <laughs> like, can you, can you help me out? Right. You know? And it's life imitates art, but it's amazing to know that you went through it and what you went through, Steve, didn't in any way reflect who you were inside. Valedictorian? Oh, it, Are you kidding me? Well, Dude, it's just stuff that people don't know about me right crazy. there. I, I never, I never, crazy. you know, it's you're weird. Brilliant. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I, that was a, but I remember my uh, <laughs> it, it, my sense of humor has got me through a lot of bad times too, and I remember like you know just like you know my my, my the, the speech I gave I remember was to, <laughs> so I had, hey, somewhere in there incorporated about the the polar ice caps melting and stuff you know but right. the thing is is that uh, I humor has always been a great thing for me but really it's just you know I I I've had. I, I've made some dumb choices in my life. Hell, I was married for eight days one time. I got married and it lasted eight days. I had to get an old. No one knows that about me. Um, you know, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I, I actually, I, I've done some weird stuff. <laughs> People, it's like no way that you pull that off. And it was, it was what it was. But uh, the thing is, is that I, I look at, we could we could look at a, a problem and 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 it will become bigger than it actually is. My mom used to say stuff like, you know, the stuff you're worried about really never actually happens. And you know that's kind of true sometimes. Mm-hmm. The things we fear the most never really yeah, happen. Yeah. You know, like we're afraid, oh, it's going to be this way. Now, no, it never really goes down that way. And and that's the thing that I've learned. And 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 I I I have. I have problems with, there's certain things I don't like. Okay. I don't like organized religion. I'm not a big fan of it. I, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not downing people's religious beliefs at all. I think everybody should have some sort of core belief system, whatever it is, but I didn't like organized religion because 
it seemed like one denomination went down the other and mm-hmm. God God loves everybody, but if you're a gay person he doesn't love you, well that's bullshit. Come on. Right, exactly. And and if you're struggling, a minister will tell you to turn to God, but if the minister's struggling he'll tell you to send in the check, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh-huh. of the, I'm just I'm not down on religion. I'm just saying I'm not I, I have a I have a higher power and I'll leave it at that. But the thing is, is that we're put on these earths with with gifts that were given to us by whatever higher power, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, whatever. We were given them, and if they're not used, then then they've gone to waste. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that I, I just discovered I'm a when I work with these clients and I put them on shows, I'm just a good communicator, and and that's it. And uh, I that's I, I that's what I found that I was good at. And and it, to me, it's great putting these things together and seeing them happen. You know, when I um, Anthony Williams, when I first, you know, you know, Chris, you know, and 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 uh, Jen, you met Anthony briefly the other night. Anthony, I met uh, in January of last year, and he started a podcast in November. And he said, "You know, would you help me out?" I said, "Sure." And this podcast was just a little flimsy show by the time he got to his 100th episode I had him three sponsors and he had a huge following and but I don't take credit for that and I won't take credit for the success of you and Jen or anybody else I know because all I did is open a door and you're the ones that that took it from there well tough shit you're still going to get credit I did an introduction at the end of the day (laughs) <laughs> Tough shit. You're still well, no, getting credit. No, but you got to remember, you know, you and you, I think you and Jen and, and other folks we know, you're the ones doing the interviews. You know, okay. Incidentally, yeah, I, I you know, I, I may know someone that. You know, okay, great. But really, the hard work's on you guys, not me. I'm not the one doing the interviews. I'm right. not the one doing. I mean, I had, I had, uh, I, you know, I, I had a very, very short-lived talk show that my friends, the wise guys, hooked up for me out of Jersey called curtain call and i did it and i'd interviewed they're like well steve you know you I've know this person just interview them yeah that was me it was video and audio and i i did it for a month and i interviewed people i knew and i just couldn't do it guys because it's like you know so and so like one of my one of my good friends is a guy named stanley livingston stan was he played chip douglas on a show called my three sons and right. stan and i talked and uh I know Stan's story backwards and forwards. And I'm like, so Stan, how did you get in there? I'm like, I know exactly what he's going to say. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, 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 it's, it's, I, I think, okay. If I, if the, I did the curtain call show for 12 episodes two well, 14, if you count the two video ones where uh, the video one was Jack Lauren and Curly Howard's grandson. Those are the two I did video. But probably one of my favorite interviews I did, I have two, and they're for people that are really kind of more obscure. I interviewed, do you, do you guys know who Robert Davi is? Off the top of my head, no. You, Jen? Um, sounds familiar. Okay, Robert Davi, he, uh, he's an actor, a phenomenal actor. Uh, remember the Goonies? Yeah. Okay, remember the guy that spoke in Italian, you know, and would sing and all that? Yeah. Oh, him? One of the Fatelli brothers. That's him. And, and, and he was a James Bond villain in a movie called License to Kill. 
He played a Colombian drug lord. Uh-huh. See, I never knew his name, but I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got a pitted face. That, that's Robert. He, he, they filmed that all in Florida too, by the way. And so I did that. And then uh, another person who I really, really got along good with was a woman named Roseanne Sorrentino. Now, Roseanne, um, Jen, this is probably more up your alley right here. But do you remember the movie Annie? that came out yeah. in 1981. Okay, do you remember you remember uh, the mean orphan Pepper, the one with the dark yeah. hair? Yeah, that's Roseanne. And I, I and her and I were friends, and I interviewed her, and and those are probably like the two great ones. But no, I interviewed Eddie Diaz, and it's like, oh god, I just saw him the other day, and I'm like, so Eddie, how'd you get in films? And it was just so lusty, and it was just so, it just wasn't me, you know. So that's that's the hard. <laughs> but that's... That, that's the hard part with people you know. Like uh, I did an interview with a, a wrestling promoter that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, I worked with for many many years, and uh, he's legally blind, but he he still gets in the ring and wrestles, and he runs his own company. So I wanted to tell his story, but the stupid thing is, is that like I'm trying to separate the guy who's wrestled with him for eight ten years to be the interviewer, getting him to tell his life story, and it's like, well, gee, Mike. How did you lose your sight? Knowing in my back of my mind, he's sitting there saying to himself, "You effing idiot! You already know this story." You, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard when it's people but you, you gotta know. Play, you got to play it off. And, yeah. and, and here's the thing: so if I send someone to you and Jen or whoever, you guys don't know them as well as I do. Right. So therefore, you get to know them for the first time, and then you be, and then you become friends with them. That's how it starts out. You know, okay. I mean, they're. Case in point, like I said you're, last you're night, I was on the phone. The I was on the phone for forty-five minutes with Dave Hamblin. <laughs> no particular yeah, yeah. reason. I mean, We're Hamblin, just bullshitting. <laughs> yeah, Hamblin. Hamblin uh, is a guy. Now that's a guy that fell into my life weird because um, David's father was uh, was a uh, an amazing guy who worked on uh, he worked on Jaws and Close Encounters. Anyway, David reached out to me because he wanted to get Richard Dreyfuss and Carl Gottlieb's autograph on this book. That's how he and he reached out. We just became friends. But David Jen, if if you hear his voice, you'll know who it's. Okay, he's so raw. It's great, and he's but he's not a jerk. He's he's not disrespectful to people. But to hear him talk, he could be describing how a microwave is made, and you're gonna laugh just to hear him talk. I I don't know how to explain it. Do you know what I'm saying, Chris? Like, you know, he says stuff, and then he throws words in there that are just really, I don't know where he comes up with them, you know? <laughs> but. So, cool. we are coming up on the, uh, well, not coming up on, we're past the hour mark. So, I do have to throw, um, I do have to throw in the final question. The question that I give every guest, okay. regardless of what, uh, what their background is, what's mm-hmm. next? What are your plans, especially now knowing that, like, you know, when this releases, we're basically going to be in New Year's Eve. We're reaching the end of 2019 here. So what's 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 2020 for you guys? Well, we'll we'll start with uh, with Jen. Ladies first. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. What's 2020 for me? Yep. What's the future Um, plans? Oh, my God. Freedom, Um, self-sufficient, monetizing Uh, my screenplay to be funded and I wanted the play that I went and saw called a uh, green beret left out. Um, I want to be able to, I want that to go to film. I don't want it to die in the world of play. It, it means too much to me. Everybody needs to let go of the crap in their life. 
and to have my gratitude collection up and running with my CBD line so I can help other people to sleep. This is my first year of sleep. I haven't slept since 2013. August of 2019 was my first year of sleep, and I wanted to accomplish my short movie, my screenplay, and my company. And my podcasting radio show was like on the back burner. So now it's on the front burner so I can market everything and, and launch myself to where I want to be. There you go. And the Realm of the Mist will help it any way they can. And then I yeah. know another person will help with he can in 2020. Steve, what do you got? Yes. Uh, you guys watch the show Cops by any chance? No. <laughs> no I'm the... <laughs> I intend no, to be I, featured uh... in season 10. No, I, I just, I, I, oh. I, 2019 was the shits. <laughs> I mean, there was some good things. You guys were good out of it. For the most part, 2019 was a nightmare. I want to make 2020 the most amazing year of my life. I really do. I want I want 2020 to be phenomenal beyond words. And, and it's going to happen. And you guys are coming along with the ride. Because the thing is, is 2019 was a sorting out period for me where I actually evaluated people who I wanted in my life and people I had to evict out of my life. I'm just being honest mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And I now know what I want. It took me 40 some odd years, but I now know what I want, but it's the little things. I watch little things that people do, but 2020 is going to be a phenomenal year. I'm ble- I'm so lucky to know you too. I really am. Chris is and Chris is a mensch. He's a good guy. Chris actually built a commercial for me months ago without me asking. And, uh, you know, that was like, that was a very nice thing. I still have to you know, update so it since things, he changed phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, the phone number is different, but it's the little things, you know, um, it's little things like that that I look at. I look at little things. You know, when I used to, uh, well, I guess a good example. But that's what I want. I want to be the most phenomenal year of my life. But one thing is, is I'm more, when I used to go on blind dates (laughs) and I'd meet a woman, well, really, besides obviously the physical, because that's just a given, right? You know, you're physically attracted to somebody. But I've met beautiful women who have souls of hell, and I've met women who are not aesthetically pretty, who are very beautiful inside. One thing I used to like, one thing that really used to get me going is, I'd meet a woman, I was attracted to her, but if she started talking about, you know, her likes and desires and her family, because I don't have a family. My family's dead. My parents are gone. My brother, they're all gone. But when I would talk to a woman, she'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm really close to my aunt, so-and-so. That was cool because it showed to me that she wasn't a self-centered person. I know that sounds weird, but that's the type of, you know, it was little things like that. And, uh, yeah, so... 2020 is going to be a phenomenal year, and this is going to be one of those years that I make a New Year's resolution. I actually keep it. All right. Well, what is your New Year's resolution this year? To make 2020 the biggest, the best year of my life. Nice. And what's your resolution there, Chris? For me? Uh, mm-hmm. To not make the same mistakes I made in 2019. <laughs> I don't make resolutions. I, I'm. I, it's kind of like I don't make promises I can't keep. I don't make resolutions because I know I won't keep them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd rather just learn from my mistakes and not make them again. <laughs> there you go. But, what about uh, you, Jenna? Yeah, what about you? 
My my resolution last year is going to be the same for this year, um, and that's to be gentle on myself because I'm okay. the hardest critic that I have, and um, and to relax a little bit, which is hard for me to do. It's and funny, but yeah, that's a that's a damn good one right there because we all fall under that curse. Uh huh. That's why I was laughing yeah, let earlier. Go a little bit and relax and enjoy. That's why I was laughing a little bit when Steve said he doesn't listen to the shows that uh, that that he helps you know put together. Or and I, I didn't mean that in a bad way, dude. It's just literally it's. No, I know, but I was I was laughing because I send him every show. It's just like you're gonna listen to this. How'd this one turn out? How'd that one go? I'm forcing him to listen to Breaking the Fourth Wall. <laughs> well, if I say I listen to all of them, I'm lying. Okay, right. But I. I but the thing is, is that I. I. I okay. And I and this isn't a cop out, but I instinctively know they're going to be good because you guys are hosting them, and I really mean that. I know that you guys aren't going to Thank do some you. bonehead thing, and I'm I'm not using that as a cop out. I know that Chris, I have yet to anybody, have anybody come back to me like, "Oh my god, that guy is horrible." Nobody said that to me. I appreciate that at all, at all. I don't think they would. I've had people come back with complaints. Know. Believe me, I've had people come back. Um, I don't know who that woman was. I won't say her name, but <laughs> that that woman, you know, I mean, I, oh, God, it's tough. But, uh, Chris, you remember uh, a special effects friend that, that I put on your show one time? Yes. Okay, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. This guy actually uh, went off because Brandy asked him a question that hurt him. That, not intentionally. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That 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 goes back to what we were talking about in in off air times where we were talking about like uh, how we set up for our interviews and stuff. And I always try to make sure there's subject matters that like you know what's off limits. You know what I mean? Uh, right, whether right. whether whether it's something right. that's like they're working on and it's not supposed to be public knowledge yet, or if it's something from their past they don't want to talk about, or whatever the case may be, I always make sure to find out what those are so I make sure I don't step on those toes. The same way I find yeah. out what do you want to promote, you know, so that way I make sure it gets worked in. What if above everything else do you want to promote out of this show? Because th- I'm doing this to to grow realm of the mist they're doing this to grow whatever it is they're promoting so it's a it's a symbiotic yeah. relationship you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> so that those oh, are the two very, biggest very things true. i always try to i always try to have is that one i know what it is that you're here to promote and two what things are off limits so i make sure i don't cross some line yeah but this was a simple mistake on her part too right and this this guy, you know who he is, mm-hmm. had a had a tendency to over dramatize things a little bit too much than they should have. That's all I'm gonna say, and that's what he did. So yeah. wait, somebody who works in Hollywood that took things to the drama level. Oh, no, he just was being, he's just being. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was comical, bad, but anyway. <laughs> But uh, all right. No, so, really, really Dan, I, this is great, man. Happy hundredth episode. We'll, you know, see, we'll, we'll hopefully do the two hundredth one, and you know, and oh. and Jen, what's the name of your program? A beautiful day. A beautiful day. That's, that's... Where, where do people where, where do people hear it? Oh, you're just taking my job from me, aren't you? 
<laughs> oh I'll, I'll put I'll put my headset down. Well, Steve, you that. got this. Take us out. No, I'm kidding. Um, he, he's doing well, my outros well. for me. <laughs> I love it. Been listening to Realm of the Mist with Chris Rule. Might have been commercial consideration paid for by the following. <laughs> no, go ahead. I have, a few hidden, I have a few hidden talents. Anyway, but not for real. Uh, it's <laughs> called a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day mm-hmm. with Jen and Kim, the mothers of gratitude, where every mother is a mother of gratitude, whether you have fur babies or the real thing. And where can people okay. find you if they want to contact you? Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm going to change my name on Instagram. It was Hockey Purse Jen. I guess it's my private account. I have a hockey purse. I'm a hockey girl. I love the Maple Leafs. And I thought you said you were a hockey lightning. girl. I'm a hockey girl. Yeah, I love hockey. It's Maple Leaf sport. and I'm Lightning. I'm a real sports girl. Maple yeah, Leaf and Lightning. Maple Leaf my first love. Yeah. Maple Leaf and my first love. Uh, I'm a Flyers guy. I started guy. watching when Kuja was, was uh, our goalie in 97. <laughs> I got so a I'm hockey one. story. I got a hockey story for you off, off air you'll get a kick out of. <laughs> oh, God. It's a joke, isn't it? No. Yeah, no if you want to contact Jen directly, you can reach her at 8, 867-5309. <laughs> eight six seven nine. Yeah. Eight six seven five three oh nine. Just be, just be yep. careful. She's That's Jesse's girl. Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Rick Springfield. And we're pretty sure she's Stacy's that, that went over. That went over the whole. That, that joke went over anybody under the age of thirty, right there. Like, what are you talking about? This is true. I should have not said anything. Let somebody try to call it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and of course, yeah. Steve, if anybody Thank wants you, to, that was a good one. <laughs> and of course, Steve, if anybody wants to contact you, get in contact with you, where can they reach you? Uh, they could reach me at SJ Network, which, or they could reach uh, Stephen Joyner, and I'm like, uh, I'm out there. And then uh, my Instagram is is, is bollocks. It, it's horrible. So it's just like SJ. I think I got like three followers. But uh, yeah, that's where they could reach me. All right, and of course, with Realm of the Mist Entertainment, you can find all these great quality podcasts like Breaking the Fourth Wall, After Hours, Press A Gaming, and now it's a beautiful day. Uh, very soon here on YouTube, of course, check out our sister channel, uh, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your our, uh, D&D tabletop roleplay and uh, video game Let's Plays. And of course, if you prefer an audio format, make sure you're looking up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And last but not least, guys, again, thank you so much. 100 down. Like Steve said, I'm looking forward to the next 100. Let's see what 2020 brings us. Have a good night, guys. We'll catch you soon.